Are you ready, America? It's time for another edition of Game On. With your host, Stephen, Stevie Ray Braun, and Brad, Bad News Bollinger. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Game On. Talking about your favorite sports and different parts of life. Might even get a little take on Lane Kiffin's wife. They tell you what to think, you're not afraid to take a stance. They'll give you the number of pleats in Charlie Weiss's pants. They're the game on guys, see sports through their eyes. Political correctness just up and dies when they give you their views on any sport you want to hear. The game on guys eating fries, drinking beer. That's right, it is game on. Steve Braun, Brad Bollinger. Happy New Year. Hope you had a fantastic Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever you celebrate. Or if you don't celebrate. Hope it was great. We took some time. Um, it was extended. We planned on coming back last week, but my kid got the flu, so that was fun. Daddy daycare for three days last week. Um, I did find the crack. I I cracked the code, Brad. I think oh. I sent this. I think you got this Snapchat that I sent. We made chocolate covered pretzels. Oh. On Friday. Yeah. Figured I need some kind of activity. She wasn't. She didn't really want to color. It's like, hey, well, how about we make some chocolate-covered pretzels? Boom, she was in. Trick, though. So we did that. Continued on with her day. Put her down for a nap. Daddy needs a snack. Chocolate-covered pretzels. You can't eat other arts and crafts, but you can eat chocolate-covered pretzels. That's kind of smart. I feel like that's kind of like your own little uh, sweatshop there. So whoa, good, well, on you. I, good on you. I mean, she got to hey hey. She got to eat plenty of chocolate covered. I said pretzels. it's like okay. I didn't say it was not over here running. I'm not Nike man. I'm not over here. I'm not saying I'm going to report you. I didn't have like six two year olds set up to make chocolate covered pretzels and selling them on the corner. If there happens to be some chocolate pretzels on my doorstep in the morning, then I won't report you. Okay. Probably won't be in the morning, but, I mean, soon. Overnight it. Soon. I don't think it would still get, I mean, we're recording (laughs) this at almost 11 o'clock at night. I mean, I guess I could drive them there and then drive back. Nice 10-hour trip. Mm -hmm. Send your daughter on the bus. There we go. Greyhound them. Oh, well, by the way, you can follow us many different ways. Twitter, Game On Guys. Uh, we're also on TikTok and Facebook, Game On Pod, on those two locations. We have a website, GameOnPod.com, and you can always email us at emailgameon at gmail.com. Um, yeah, so, uh, Lord College Football 
has gone back to his slumber. And boy, did he go out with a bang. <laughs> yeah. 65 to 7, Georgia back to back national championships. They get the victory over number three, TCU, who finishes at 13 and 2 on the year. And back-to-back uh, -back losses for the – well, not back-to-back, -back, pardon me. Two out of the last three losses for TCU. Georgia with the victory. Stetson Bennett, a big game, 304 yards, four touchdowns. Um, Blake Bowers, the tight end for Georgia, seven receptions, 152 yards, and a touchdown for all the Georgia fans that felt like he wasn't being used properly throughout the season at times. Uh, they found a way to use him. <laughs> and uh, one of the biggest beatdowns in a championship game in quite a while, Brad. Yeah, it sure was. It, uh, it was really, really disappointing, I would say, um, because I think it's well known that you and I are both uh, full-time members of the TCU Horn Frog bandwagon this season, and I mean clearly Georgia's the better team, but I I do not think that is an accurate representation of how good TCU is. Um, I honestly think that that was a worst-case scenario for TCU. I mean, they. You know, you turn the ball over. Um, obviously, you don't make any stops defensively whatsoever. Um, it, it's going to be bad, but uh, I think TCU is a better team than what they showed. But clearly, Georgia is the best team in the nation, and they deserve the championship. Um, just would have liked to have seen a little, little bit better performance out of TCU. They had such a great season. They really did. Um really kind of like a magical run, honestly. And, you know, I was high on them going into the playoffs against Michigan because I really liked that matchup. Um, I didn't like the Georgia matchup as much, but I didn't think it would be that bad, obviously. Um, I Something about them going up against Georgia rubbed me the wrong way because all I could think about was TCU's 3-3-5 defense against Georgia and that just didn't seem like a good combination. And it turns out that it was not um, three, three, five defenses rely a lot on the linebackers uh, closing those gaps, being really fast to the ball. And when you play a team like Georgia, who has the clear advantage at practically every position athletically, um, I think that's just a recipe for disaster among a million other things. But um, yeah, it was, it was a big bummer. Um, the semis were great. They were entertaining. So it kind of balanced out a little bit, but yeah, I mean, congrats, Georgia. Um, TCU, uh, don't hang your head too low. Uh, it was a great season. Keep building off it, and uh, let's do it again next year. I don't know about you. I Going into that game, I just, yes, I wanted TCU to win. I like to see the underdog story. I like to see different, I mean, see different champions. I like parody. But going into it, I, I just didn't. I didn't feel like they had a chance. It was a bad feeling, yeah. I mean, it was going to have to truly be a team of destiny type scenario, and, and it obviously was not. Um, I did have flashbacks to the 2005 Orange Bowl. Sure. 
the BCS National Championship game that year for the 04 season, USC, Oklahoma. Um, we were juniors in high school. Mm -hmm. I actually got to go to that game. Um, and it just, it was one of those that it was like, and you know what? For as bad as OU got beaten that, I still, I, it's one of those games that I felt like Mark Bradley doesn't try to field that punt at the goal line and bobble it and then pick it up and then get hit and fumble it at the six and then USC recovers and they score on the next play and it's now 14-7 and all of momentum had swung. I still, in some regards, I'm like, well, if that doesn't happen and OU at least has a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a drive, does it snowball? Yeah. This TCU game, there was no point where I was like, well, if that didn't happen the way it did, does it snowball? Like, from the get-go, it was like, this thing, this is not going to be good. Yeah, and the, close, the closest thing to the snowball effect would be them miraculously stopping Georgia in the red zone and making them kick a field goal. So <laughs> they only scored three points that time out of the other 100 yeah, possessions where they scored a touchdown. I mean, it was just it, – it was – I don't know if I've seen that many wide-open receivers in a college football game. Oh, it was, it was awful. I mean, uh, it just unbelievable how wide open guys were. Um, yeah, it, it just was – it was ugly, and uh, congratulations to Georgia. Congratulations to TCU. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you go from firing your head coach midseason last year, a guy that has a statue outside, outside your stadium, a guy that without him you probably – aren't in the Big 12. Um, so much so much success under Gary Patterson. You go from that to you hire a guy and, and Sonny Dykes that is able to go out there and, and get, get the right coordinators and, I mean, hit with a team that was loaded with some upperclassmen. I mean, there, there's a lot of guys that aren't going to be returning from that roster. And uh, benefited from that and made a, a nice run, won some key games. I mean, it was very OU 2000 in some scenario, in some situations where, like, things happened throughout the season and you were like, maybe they are a team of destiny. I mean, just. Yeah, absolutely. And we ta we've talked about it all season long. So uh, congratulations to them. Do I see them getting back at it next year? No, not necessarily. Um, Chandler Morris, who was their chosen quarterback, is back. You you have to think he'll be the starter going into next season, but um, you lose Max Duggan, who was the, the Heisman runner-up. You lose, uh, I think, Miller, the, the running back. You lose some offensive linemen. That defense loses players. It's just going to be tough for them to reload and jump right back into it. And I think that's kind of where the Big 12, to, to take a little side road here real quick, Brad, I think that's kind of how the Big 12 is going to be moving forward once you lose OU and OSU. I think there's going to be a ton of parity. I think you'll see teams that – OU every, and Texas. 
or yeah, OU and Texas, pardon me, once they leave, I think you're going to see some parity with those remaining schools and the four that are coming in, in that every three to four years you could have one of those teams that, that really goes on a run and makes makes a miraculous run of sorts or, or their team is built, just come kind of comes together perfectly every three to four years to where you're like, oh, okay, that's this is Baylor's year. Like last year, you look at Baylor and it's like, okay, yeah, that was Baylor's year last year. OSU, same thing. This year, exact opposite for those two teams. But TCU was awful last year. Now they're really good. K-State. I mean, it, I think you could kind of see where it, it builds up and you're like, okay, this should be their year. It is. And then you move on to where they're they're down for another two years before you start to kind of see, okay, maybe this is building and, yep, there it is again type of deal when it comes to the Big 12 for, for the immediate future. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, it's completely different than, you know, college basketball in the sense of just the uh, the NIL deals, the transfer portal. It's just a whole different dynamic. But I kind of wonder if there's going to be some similarities in the fact that moving forward, teams have got to figure out a way to compete in this new age. And, you know, um, when March rolls around, there's usually a, a, you know, a few teams in the tournament that you look at and you see, oh, you know, this, this team doesn't have any superstars, but, you know, they've got, you know, four seniors in their starting lineup who have been there, who have played two or three years in this system. And, uh, you know, they're competing with the, the, the blue chips of, of the nation. And, you know, they're, they're making it to the Final Four themselves. And it's like, I kind of wonder if football will kind of take that same route in the sense of, okay, we're not going to out-recruit these big-name colleges. We're not going to out-recruit, you know, Georgia, Alabama, all the top names. So maybe we just build it uh, internally with guys who uh, maybe – you know, are overlooked, um, maybe not be the biggest, fastest, strongest, but, you know, they're smart, they're great football players. Um, maybe if we just get a bunch of those guys and throw them together, uh, that experience, that savvy, um, you know, hey, maybe that can help us compete against these guys a little bit better. So it's it, the next five to ten years is going to be really interesting in college football. Uh, I don't know which way it's going to go. I don't think anybody does, but interested to see. Well, we, we heard Kevin Wilson in his introductory press conference as the new head coach at the University of Tulsa say that this the University of Tulsa is a program that's going to have to develop players. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to be able to recruit guys, develop them over time, and by their fourth season, third season, hopefully they are able to, to perform at a high level. We've seen with what Wilson has already done – a, yes, he, he went out and got eight, signed eight guys, but he, he got uh, Brennan Presley, and he's got, I think, two more. He's got two Booker T. Washington guys that are transferring in, one from Arkansas and another one from, from OSU. He's got another OSU defensive back transferring in. He's getting guys that are local, guys that saw some playing time maybe early on at a Big, big 12 or an SEC school, and – are looking at what could be their future and saying, I may not necessarily be able to play. I can, I can go to a Tulsa, or if you're in Oklahoma State, you're a, a Big 12 school, you can probably start getting some of those SEC guys that are a third-string guy 
in their redshirt sophomore year at, at Alabama or Georgia that are probably going to look around and go, well, the guy that's the second stringer is a freshman or a redshirt freshman. I'm probably not going to have a, cho- a shot next year. Mm-hmm. That kind of deal. They start looking to transfer. That's where you get those guys that maybe they're from the area or they want to be a little closer to home or whatever it might be. But I think you're right. It's it's going to be a development process much more for some of those lower division schools. Yes, you're going to lose guys, but you always lost guys. It's right. just now you're seeing some starters at those lower level group of five and other programs, even Big 12 programs that are saying, hey, I can, I can leave here and maybe go be a starter at XYZ that's in the college football playoff every other year or every single year. Yeah. I, I can go there and fit a, fill a hole for them quickly. Um, and and there, it's, it's, it is. It's going to be very interesting. Well, if we break down the transfer portal a little bit, I don't think a lot of people talk about this necessarily um, because it's so new, but the guys coming over in the transfer portal nowadays, I mean, there's just so many, obviously. We all know that. But you have to realize that everybody hitting the transfer portal is taking away more scholarships from those high school recruits that are coming in. So you can find a lot more diamonds in the rough uh, coming out of high school. Uh, I think you've still got to amp up your recruiting game. I think you still got to uh, really pay attention to, like I said before, maybe they don't jump off the stat sheet at you or uh, impress you physically like these, you know, top schools recruits do. But uh, there's just, you know, uh, everybody in sports knows there's just something about, you know, some of these players that you can see when they play the game. They're smart. Uh, they're always in the right position. Um, what they lack in, you know, athletic um, elite ability, they make it for in other ways. I mean, not everybody's going to be the best athlete on the field, but I mean, Tom Brady, he's not the best athlete on the field, but he's the greatest football player of all time. So I'm just saying that there's going to be a lot more opportunities to find those guys coming out of high school now. And um, I think you, I mean, you have no choice but to adjust, adapt or die. Uh, You can complain all you want about this day and age in college football, but you know what? Tough, tough titties, because this is the way it is. Uh, Adapt or die, my friend. Well, and I I think you made the analogy or you kind of pointed towards college basketball and and you think about, a lot of the teams that go on to win the national championship have those guys that have been around. And even the, the smaller schools that make a run, they, they're schools that have guys for three, four years. I mean, they have those on their on their roster. You haven't seen a whole lot. I mean, Kentucky. How many national championships has Kentucky won since the one and done really came into, into business? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just you've seen more success with the with the – the Villanovas and yeah, they do have NBA guys on their team, but I think you're gonna like you're you're saying you're gonna have these guys that have been around three to four years. Maybe they're not an NFL player, but like a lot of the guys that play for Kansas that are th- there for three or four years, yeah, they go on to play in Europe and elsewhere. Yeah, they may not play in the NBA. Well, let's look at I the national we'll the championship that just happened. I mean, there was no Joe Burrows in there. I mean, it was, you know. Senior versus senior, right? You had Max Duggan versus Stetson Bennett, guys who have been down the road for a very long time. I mean, Stetson Bennett's 25 years old, for God's sakes. Uh, I mean, and that's at the top two, you know, championship 
game schools. So um, don't, you know, if, if they, if Georgia is, you know, has a, a 25 year old senior quarterback, uh, why can't, you know, some of these smaller schools make that happen as well? I mean, you don't have to have an NFL. It, it's not about the NFL. I mean, no, it, let's play college football. Yeah. Let's focus on winning college football games. Yep. If you get a, Tim Tebow was not a, you know, great NFL quarterback, but he was one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. I mean, you got to find those guys. It's not about, I know you want to get your guys to the next level. I know that's why most guys go to these schools because it's best for their careers. And I get that, but uh, we got to, we got to think big picture here. If we're going to keep up with these or it's going to be really lopsided for the next decade. Well, uh, and to go back to the basketball analogy, John Calipari has one national championship at Kentucky with the one and done. That was in 2012. Bill Self, how many does he have in that same time frame? You know what I mean? It's just Jay Wright. You want to go down that list of how much success have they had, it's pretty – I mean, Self has two championships. Jay Wright – he has about the same, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. – it's one of those that you're able to go get the get the job done and you don't necessarily have to be loaded with guys and be pumping out NBA All-Stars because Jay Wright's not doing that. Bill Self isn't even really – he hasn't really done that. I mean, yeah, he's had guys that have gone on to the NBA and have had long careers, but they're not some of the big names necessarily in the NBA – whereas John Calipari has, and he only has one title to to show for it. So I think there is something to that. All right, let's jump over to the NFL. As they like to refer to it, it is Super Wild Card Weekend, Brad. Yes, sir. Has a nice ring to it. That's so stupid. Just (laughs) call it the Wild Card. Like, they add one extra team on each each conference, and they're like, it's the super wild card. Nobody ever accused the NFL of running it very well. Um, 14 teams now. We will have 12 of those playing this weekend, six from each conference. Of those 14 teams, we're at seven new playoff teams this year, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Chargers, Miami, Minnesota, the Giants, and Seattle, all teams that did not participate in the NFL playoffs last season. And that continues a streak of 33 consecutive seasons dating back to 1990, where at least four teams have qualified for the playoffs every season that were not in the postseason the year before. Fun fact for you. That was fun. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Let's jump into it. The first game of the weekend comes Saturday, January 14th, a 3.30 kick. This one will be on Fox. Joe Davis, Daryl Johnson, Moose, along with Pam Oliver and Christina Pink with the call on Fox and Fox Deportes. Uh, Seattle at San Francisco. The Seahawks 9-8 on the season. The number seven seed out of the NFC West taking on the number two seed, San Francisco 49ers. The Niners 13 and four. This is the first playoff berth, or the 
this is the fourth playoff berth, pardon me, for the Seahawks in the past five seasons. They are 11-10 and 10 under head coach Pete Carroll in the playoffs, who Carroll is 19-9 and nine all time versus the 49ers. Brad, it's uh, Geno Smith's first career playoff start in this contest as he takes on the 49ers. I don't know about you, but uh, the the Niners riding a 10-game win streak entering this contest. Brock Purdy, who could become the first rookie QB to start a playoff game for San Francisco and the third rookie QB ever to win each of his first five career starts dating back from week 14 through week 18. Um, what they've been able to do behind Mr. Irrelevant just, A, in my mind, goes to show how impressive Kyle Shanahan is as an offensive mind. But, B, I, I just – it's hard for me. This is a team that's finally getting healthy for the most part. It's just hard for me to look at, at the 49ers and think that, that Seattle really has a shot at this one. Yeah, I completely agree. And you talk about uh, San Francisco's win streak and how they're putting it together at the right time. And you can – make the exact opposite case for Seattle. I mean, they have really finished the season on a poor note. Uh, they pulled off a win to get into the playoffs and overtime against the Los Angeles Rams at home, um, but really kind of stumbled at the end there. Um, two teams going in opposite directions. Geno Smith has been a wonderful story. I think it's very, very cool what's happening up there in the Northwest. Um, I hope he continues success. Um, who knows what will happen there, but in this instance, I just don't see uh, any way that Seattle can pull this game out. Um, I would say, you know, try to pound Kenneth Walker, control the clock, control possession, but we all know 49ers are going to enforce their will and do that on their own, so I just don't see it happening. But, um, hey, you know, after the Russell Wilson uh, move in the off season. I think if you would have told Seahawks fans, "Hey, you're going to be playing," you know, opening weekend of the playoffs, I think they would take it. So we move from one game that will see the two starting quarterbacks making their first start in a postseason contest to another one that has the same uh, dynamic with Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. Chargers and the Jaguars, this also on Saturday, a um, 7.15 Central Time kickoff from TIAA Bank Field. Um, this will be on NBC with Al Michaels returning to the NBC Airwaves television with Tony Dungy on the call as well. Kaylee Hartung will be your sideline reporter, Brad. Um, the Chargers... Entering with a 10-7 and record, they are the five seed uh, out of the AFC West. They host the number four, or they hit the road, pardon me, to face the Jaguars, the four seed, who were victor victory victorious in the AFC South out of what was a very pathetic AFC South as a Colts fan. Jaguars 9-8 and eight on the season. This is the first playoff berth for the Chargers since 2018. And for Jacksonville, they clinched the AFC South for the first time since 2017. 
2017, and they are the fifth team since 1970 to win their division the season after finishing with the worst record in the NFL. As Doug Peterson becomes one of eight active head coaches to win a Super Bowl, or he is one of eight active head coaches to win a Super Bowl, and the fourth Jacksonville head coach to lead the franchise to the postseason. This one, a little tighter in my mind in some regards. Yes, the Jaguars with a lesser record, but does anybody really believe in Brandon Staley? Do they trust him? <laughs> well, I, I will say I agree on this one being a lot more competitive of a game. Uh, I believe this will be probably the best, most entertaining game of the opening weekend slate of games. Um, I kind of sensed that we're going to get a few blowouts. I didn't really love the matchups when I saw them released um, after everything was kind of finalized. I didn't think there's a lot of you know excitement that is going to be happening this weekend, but uh, this is definitely one of those. Um, one of the main storylines I love here is the uh, AFC starting quarterbacks. Um, you got a bunch of young superstar studs um, that are going against each other, and you would think that it's going to be this same group of guys for the most part for the next decade or so. Um, you look at what we've got on the AFC side of things. We've got Justin Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence in this game. We've got Joe Burrow versus probably not Lamar Jackson. We'll see how the injury goes with Lamar Jackson. But, you know, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. Then you've got Patrick Mahomes, of course. Uh, Josh Allen. Um, you know, you could even throw two in there if you want to. Um, I just think that it's really exciting that we're kind of you know, really establishing these fresh new rivalries that we're going to see for a while, kind of like the back in the days of uh, Manning versus Brady. But we get that, you know, times five at this point. So um, it's just it's going to be fun to watch. I love what Doug Peterson's done in Jacksonville. I think he is definitely a contender for coach of the year. Um, that franchise is heading in the right direction, and it's very exciting. Trevor Lawrence is finally finding his game in the NFL. And, um, yeah, this is this is going to be a toss-up. But um, I do have a thought on it, but I, I it'll be one of my picks later, so I'll hold okay. off till then. The uh, Chargers lead the all-time series 9-4 to four and have won two of the past three in the regular season. This is the first meeting in postseason history between the two franchises. Um, Jacksonville is 7-7 seven and seven all time. If you're trying to find something to maybe differentiate, uh, when it comes to common opponents, they are 5-4 and four against common opponents. So facing teams that the other one has also faced this season, they have similar records. Not against the same teams, or not the same record against the same teams necessarily as of course the Chargers played the AFC West teams twice and the Jaguars played the AFC South teams twice so interesting there um, we'll get into the against the spread so we can I think at that point we can really break down uh, who we like in that regard but and then point out who are true against the spread picks are uh, let's move on to Sunday's games 
Dolphins at Bills. Dolphins 9-8 and eight on the season. They are the 7th seed facing the number 2 seed and 13-3 and three Buffalo Bills out of the AFC East. Uh, Bills lead the all-time series in playoff games 3-1 to one, and have won three of the last four against the Dolphins in postseason play. All-time regular season, Dolphins have an advantage of 61-52-1. Bills have won, however, the past eight of the past nine contests between these two squads that are both in the AFC East. This is the first postseason berth for the Dolphins since 2016, and if they somehow pull off the upset, it will mark the first playoff win for them since 2000. This is the third consecutive AFC East division title for the Buffalo Bills, and they had quite the just remarkable game uh, this past weekend after what was such a devastating injury uh, to DeMar Hamlin uh, to see them be able to rally behind that. I don't think anybody was shocked that they were able to rally behind that incident and and what happened to their teammate to come out with the victory this past week. But uh, they head in, firing on all cylinders here, Brad, against a Dolphins team that uh, kind of limped into the playoffs. Yeah, especially with the injuries to uh, important guys like Tua, obviously, and um, Raheem Mostert is facing an injury from this last game. Um, it seems like... Everything is going uh, in favor of the Bills here. Uh, the universe is on the side of Buffalo at this point after the wonderful DeMar Hamlin recovery story. Um, I think they've bounced back from that tragedy uh, really well. Uh, it's turning into quite a wonderful story, and uh, the Dolphins are just kind of uh, limping is a very nice way to put it. So... I don't think anybody is picking the Dolphins to win this game, not even people in Miami, but um, they're going to play the game, and you never know. This game is going to be played at Highmark Stadium in Buffalo, uh, or Orchard Park, technically. That is the Sunday noon kickoff Central Time. It'll be on CBS with Jim Nance and Tony Romo. So if you want to, you could always – find the uh, Westwood One broadcast, National Radio, Tom McCarthy and Ross Tucker. That'd probably be better than listening to oh, Tony. <laughs> um, let's jump over to the NFC East versus NFC North. New York Giants, the number six seed, taking on the number three seed, the Minnesota Vikings. This one, a 3.30 kick central time on Sunday from U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota. Uh, Giants clinched playoff berth for the first time since uh, 2016, and Brian Dable is one of three rookie head coaches, along with Mike McDaniel and Kevin O'Connell of the Vikings, to qualify for the postseason this year. Um, the Vikings clinched the NFC North for the first time since 2017. Do you trust Kirk Cousins in a postseason playoff game that's going to be the only thing on TV. <laughs> I mean, might as well be primetime. It's a national broadcast. It's pretty fascinating. I don't I'm not sure any uh 13 and 4 team in history has been openly disrespected as much as the Minnesota Vikings have this year, but <laughs> hey, 
I'm not saying it's not warranted, but I'm hearing a lot of people are picking the Giants to upset the Vikings this weekend. I'm not sure if I'm willing to go that far. Um, I think the Vikings at times look like that 13-4 and record. I think they are a very capable team at times, but like you mentioned, Kirk Cousins, when he has a spotlight on him, will he show up? Who knows? Um, it's going to be interesting because the New York Giants don't really beat themselves. I think that's kind of the success of their season has been based on, you know, they're not going to overwhelm you with the, um, you know, chiefs like talent on offense or, or, or anything like that. But Daniel Jones has done a much better job this year of not turning the ball over. Um, not beating themselves has been a huge, huge improvement this year that Dayball has brought in. So it'll be a tight, it'll be a tight game. I think it, uh, you know, I, I, I could foresee this kind of being a slug fest. Um, I'm not sure we'll see a shootout here by any means, but, um, it, it, it should be one of the, uh, more exciting matches, um, uh, on this slate. These two teams did face each other earlier this season and the Vikings came away with the victory. So, uh, they are one and O against the giants so far this season. Giants do lead the all-time series 2-1, to one. Um, so there is that, and they have won two of the past three. But like I mentioned, uh, last and the last time these two teams met was uh, December 24th, and the Vikings came away with a three-point victory, 27-24 on that one. So, uh, sorry, Giants lead all-time series in postseason 2-1. to one. In this one, but the Vikings have won four, the past four contests between these two teams in the regular season. So, uh, like you mentioned, I think it'll be a, a close contest as well. Final game on Sunday. This one will be over on NBC. Tariko and Collins Collinsworth. Uh, jump back real quick. Sorry, Vikings Giants. That one will be on Fox with uh, Burke Hart and Greg Olson, the number one crew. So Ravens Bengals. Final game on Sunday, 8:15 or 7:15 our time, kickoff from Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. Uh, the fourth time in the past five seasons that Baltimore has reached the playoffs. The tenth postseason appearance for John Harbaugh. Um, you look at at what the Ravens have done: 10 and 7 on the season. Uh, they are the number six seed. Cincinnati, 12 and 4 the number, seed, number three seed out of the AFC North, uh, second consecutive AFC North division title for the Bengals as well. And uh, Zach Taylor is the third consecutive head coach, or third Cincinnati head coach to lead this team organization to a postseason in consecutive seasons. So uh, you talked about it a little bit earlier. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, if Lamar does play, I think that makes this a little bit more interesting of a contest. Um, I think that the Ravens' defense is solid. Um, so far this season, just giving up 18.5 points per game. Um, but they're facing an offense that is, has put up 26 points per contest. So uh, something has to break there. I think Burrow, 
uh, Mixon, Jamar Chase. You look at the, the receiving core. Um, it's just a, a dynamic offense, and they seem to be seem to be really rolling entering the playoffs this season are the Bengals. Yeah, and let's not forget these teams just played each other on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and this will be the third matchup of the year because they are division rivals. So uh, they know each other very well. I think they both kind of know what the other team wants to do. Um, this is the most clear picture for me as far as this weekend games go. Um, the Bengals here are an absolute lock for me. Um <laughs> With Lamar, without Lamar, doesn't matter. Um, I was not high on the Ravens uh, while Lamar was healthy this year. Um, I think they were kind of a little bit of fool's gold um, anyways. And then he goes down. Um, even if he is able to kind of make a recovery and play this weekend, there's going to be a lot of rust to shake off. He hasn't been practicing for weeks. Um, it's just not looking good. For the Ravens going up against a juggernaut, that's right, I said juggernaut Cincinnati Bengals because they are absolutely rolling right now. Uh, that offense is clicking. They are looking like the defending AFC champions that they are. So no doubt in my mind, Bengals move on. You mentioned these two teams played when this one kicks off seven days prior. Since 1978, this will mark the 17th time two teams will meet in the playoffs one week after finishing a regular season. And in the last five playoff games where that has happened, the team that won the regular season finale has won three of the last five playoff games. So uh, that would point in favor of the Bengals as well. The Ravens will become the first such team to return to the same stadium one week later since the 09 Packers, who had to make consecutive trips to Arizona Cardinals won a 51-45 overtime thriller to avenge a loss to the Packers in the regular season finale back on January 10th, 2010. So a uh, little bit of history there in this type of matchup. And uh, I agree. I, I like the Bengals in that one. And then our final super wild card weekend playoff game extravaganza. Head to Raymond James Stadium. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the four seed, eight and nine, sub 500 NFC South champions, hosting the 12 and five NFC East Dallas Cowboys, the number five seed on your bracket. Uh, this is a 7:15 kick on Monday Night Football, ESPN. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters will be on the call on ESPN. And ABC. You can also watch the Manning cast for this one on ESPN2. It'll be on ESPN Plus, ESPN Deportes, everywhere and anywhere as well. And you look at uh, this is a Cowboys team that uh, struggled this past weekend, to put it nicely, but a team that uh, is coming in with a, a solid rushing offense. I mean, Tony Pollard has stepped up over a thousand yards on the season, averaging 5.2 yards per carry, uh, nine touchdowns on the season. He had career highs in so many categories this season. Zeke Elliott just shy of the 1,000-yard mark as well with 968, or with 876 rushing yards, but 968 total yards. Um, 
He's fifth in the NFL with 12 rushing touchdowns this season as well. It's an offense that, when it's clicking, is probably one of the most dangerous ones out there. With those two, you add in C.D. Lamb, a defense that, that shows signs at times of being impressive and, and can take over a game. But then you'll see a lot what happened last week. And then you flip over to the other side, and, and it's a Buccaneers team that, I mean, truly has just been lackluster for most of the season. Yes, Brady and Mike Evans have seemed to really get things going this season late in the last couple of weeks, but uh, it's a run game that has been non-existent, really. I mean, I, I don't think anybody would really argue that. And uh, I, I just – I want to lean Cowboys, Brad, but I also know it's the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. <laughs> this is truly one of the most stupidly fascinating games. Uh, emphasis on stupid – uh, because you're right, it is the Dallas Cowboys, and you just never know. And you pair that with Tom Brady on the other side, that's just yeah. a recipe for a big explosion of, of stupidity. And I, I completely agree with you. I, It should be a clear pick in the Dallas Cowboys, but it is not. It is not a clear pick, even though they are clearly the better team. Uh, and... You know, a fascinating stat that kind of, I don't know, I guess it made a little bit more sense of kind of how this Cowboy season has go, gone so far. A uh, stat I saw today, I don't know if you saw the same one, but uh, the Cowboys this season on uh, natural grass are 1-4. Um, on the artificial turf, they're 11-1. and one. Um you know, the offense is averaging 29.6 per games on the artificial turf. Defense is only given up 17.2. You flip that around to the natural grass where they're one and four on the year. Uh, that total drops down on the offensive side to from 29.6 to 22.4. And then the defense uh, goes from giving 17.2 per points per game um, on the artificial to the natural grass. It is 27.2. Those are just fascinating stats to me. And, you know, I it, it, it really kind of makes sense when you look at how Dallas' defense plays as well, uh, why the, there's a 10-point difference on, you know, artificial to natural. So um, it just does not bode well for Dallas. Their history doesn't bode well for them. Their, their karma does not bode well. Nothing bodes well for the Cowboys in the playoffs, as we know. And you look ahead, if they do escape Tampa Bay, uh, they're probably going to face San Francisco, Philadelphia, both play on natural grass. So something to keep an eye on because uh, it's one of those weird stats that uh, could come into play in a major way. And you gotta, you can't forget these two teams met week one all the way back September 11th, and it was a 19-3 to victory for the Buccaneers in Dallas. So... The two have met, and Bucks have won past two times. These two teams have met when it comes to regular season. So, uh, I think that the Dallas defense, um, who has been very good this year, I think they really love getting that, 
you know, the idea of getting that pass rush uh, on the opposing quarterback. But the thing with Tom Brady is he has been really good about getting the ball out quickly this year. So uh, I don't think the rush affects him as much as it does other people, other quarterbacks in this league, simply for that fact. Um, So I expect, uh, you know, Chris Godwin to have a big game. I think Brady will kind of look to get it out to him quickly. Um, and then kind of establish a little play action and try and keep that connection with Mike Evans that he's had lately and uh, maybe beat the Cowboys deep a couple of times. You mentioned that defense. The Micah Parsons and the Dallas defense ranked second in the NFL this season with a sack on 9.82% of opponents' pass attempts. Tristan Wirfs and the Tampa Bay offensive line have led the league by allowing sacks on only 2.93% of the Buccaneers' pass attempts. So something has to break there. Um, It'll be interesting to see what exactly that might be. Who comes out able to to come away with with the the difference there and lead to the victory? Because I think that's going to be a key factor is can you keep Tom Brady upright? And if you're able to, as the the Bucks, you have a chance. You definitely have a chance. Yeah, and man, I I hate to keep you know coming back to this, but I th- you really see the difference that having someone like Rob Gronkowski makes in this offense. Uh, they have they've tried to find kind of that replacement guy and it, it, it's just not on the roster, you know, uh, Otto, um, is the, the tight end they're using now. They have Cameron Braid as well. Um, but there's just so many situations this season where you're like, man, Gronk would have made all the difference here. Um, so interesting to see how they kind of get through that hurdle going through the playoffs. Um, they have looked pretty bad at times this year, which is, you know, surprising to hear, especially from a Tom Brady team, but, you can never count out the goat, so who knows? It's it's the Cowboys, it's Tom Brady, it's all up in the air. That's fair. Totally fair. All right, it's time for our top three, and this week, because it is still the new year, we're just 10 days in, 11 days when this hits the podcast airwaves, our personal sports New Year's resolutions. And I know what you're thinking. What could it be? Is it that Brad's not going to two-putt anymore or three-putt? I don't know. Maybe it is. We'll find out. Brad, I'll let you go first. All right. Uh, Yeah, I would love to two-putt. That would be great. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I thought about this list long and hard uh, because I've, I've noticed the past year or two, I've really kind of taken note of, what really drives me crazy uh, in the world of sports nowadays. So uh, my top three um, comes from a place of anger, from a place of annoyance, and uh, from a place of self-improvement as well. So let's kick it off with um, number one, resolution for my sports new year, turning off the volume on football broadcasts when officiating analysts Come on air. I cannot tell you how 
annoyed I get when I hear these Dean Blandinos come on, Mike Pereira's come on, and they say the same exact things every replay, every replay. They're like, well, you got to take a look. Did he finish the catch through the ground? And remember, it was ruled a catch uh, on the field. So it has to be inconclusive. We know. God, we know that. Do you think anybody who doesn't know football doesn't realize that that's the case by now? Stop saying the same old script over and over again. And I've noticed um, it might be Blandino, but there's a couple of guys that kind of play it to where they I think they stall to be honest with you they, they, they'll, they'll slow down their explanation of you know what's happening here and then they'll be like well now just remember the call on the field and then they see the refs about to make the announcement so I think they're avoiding being wrong and making a prediction at this point like that's how bad it's gotten they're it, every every part of it annoys the hell out of me so I'm going to namaste and turn it on mute and play some music or something because I cannot take it anymore. You know, Thank that really grinds my gears. All right, Where moving we... on. Number two, I am going to quit betting on my favorite teams and or the teams that I have a rooting interest in. You know why? Because that's double heartbreak, baby. Yeah. And that feels so bad. Uh, imagine, you know, not only is your let's say, favorite university, Oklahoma University, getting throttled by Texas. But then you gotta come to terms with the fact that you're losing money on it too. I mean, there's just, there's nothing good coming from that. Stop betting on your favorite teams. Stop betting on the teams you're rooting for with personal interest. Uh, it can only be bad. If anything, hedge your bet. Emotionally hedge your bet. Call back to earlier in this year. Uh, bet against your favorite team because that way at least some good outcome is going to come from it. Stop doing that, Brad, you stupid idiot. You know, okay. that really grinds my gears. Self-love is a big one, too. So, number three, I would like to play, at minimum, three rounds of golf per month in the year 2023. Uh, last year... I don't think I played three rounds total the entire year, and that has oh. never happened in my entire life, and it didn't feel good. And you really start to realize that, you know, as much as we get angry uh, out on the course of hitting bad shots and, you know, sucking for most of the year, I, I think it's such a therapeutic experience for a lot of us. And I think it really helps us kind of get centered uh, in this crazy life that we live, um, you know, with our careers, with our families, with our relationships. Um, so on the, on the note of self-love and self-care, I really want to get out there and uh, make it a goal of mine to play at least three rounds each month. Um, of course, you know, weather permitting, uh, life, life permitting, um, but I think that's a doable goal and hopefully I can do more, but um I just really noticed how much, you know, I've missed playing the game of golf. So that would be my number three. I like it. I do. I I enjoy it. I especially like the uh, last one. Yes. That's yes. a solid one. And I, f it just, you know, 
I feel like across the board, we kind of make excuses for not doing a lot of things uh, because we're busy. We are busy nowadays, don't get me wrong, but there's just so much going on. So, you know, uh, I can't go out and have drinks with my friends tonight. Like I got to get this project done or I got to wake up early. And that kind of bleeds over into this a little bit too. It's like, uh, do I really have, you know, the four to five hours to commit to playing around this weekend? I got a lot of errands to do, blah, 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 blah. And I say, hey, let's just slow it down. Let's pause it a little bit. Go have those drinks with friends. Go play that round of golf. You know, all those projects, all that work stuff, all that, you know, all those errands are still going to be there when you're done. Um, let, let, let's get back to, you know, doing what we love. Namaste. Namaste. That's how Brad is on the golf course. I'm very calm, yes. Just tranquil. Yes. You know the, you know, some people have, some people have wind chimes on their porch as like a soothing, as a soothing sound. And I have the, uh, the sound of a whooshing five iron flying by your ear as I shank another one. It's it's very similar. And then the <laughs> Yes. And it's usually just like insulting myself and calling myself every curse word in the book. You know, that really grinds my gears. Where <laughs> Where's my golf ball? Um alright, mine. Brad, in this new year, I feel like I need the tranquil music. We like should have done the tranquil. We should. Maybe we can do that in post. That's not All right. You know, in 2023, Brad, mm -hmm. as a sports fan, I have some New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. One of those is to not have expectations <laughs> for the University of Oklahoma sports teams mm. outside of the softball team. Mm. None other shall I have an expectation <laughs> for of greatness. Mm. Not OU football. Mm. Not OU men's basketball. Mm. Not OU women's basketball. Definitely not wrestling. Mm -mm. Baseball. Baseball. Mm -mm. Not even. Nope. Because then, if they shall, Brad, if they shall be great, then it is even greater <laughs> on my soul. Yes. That is what Buddha said once. My other resolution, number two, Brad. In this 2023, the year of our Lord, is to not expect Chris Ballard and the Colts to make a relevant free agent signing, nor address the quarterback position. Hmm. Do not I'm sensing have, a theme here, but yes, go on, brother. Do not have that expectation, Steve. And my final one, Brad, mm. my third and final New Year's resolution as a sports fan in 
2023 is to not believe the XFL will continue past the 2023 season. <laughs> that made me sad, but okay. Shall I just enjoy it for the season it is? And again, if 2024 comes, then all blessings to it. Mm. Those are my resolutions this year. Oh, namaste. Don't we feel better already? You know, that really grinds my gears. Where? I don't know if I feel better or not. We're going to be such good people this so year. So much better. Yeah. Because that's really, that that one, that Oklahoma one, that's coming right after they lost to Ooh, Kansas when they were boy. up by 10 with five minutes to go. Yeah. In Fog Allen. You know what drives me crazy, too? Uh, nope, not going to do it, Brad. Just one last, Go for 2022, ahead, one it. last send-off. Um, these top-tier D1 college basketball programs, they act like they've never seen the press before. They get <laughs> pressed, and they just freak out. And they I don't, know, don't know how to operate an offense anymore. <laughs> Brad, they don't run press at AAU, typically. So, it's it. It wasn't even a good press. It was just full court man to man, and they're oh, like, I know. "Oh my god!" That's what I'm saying. But hey, it's a new year. Namaste. No expectation. None. None. Namaste. None. They won't make the tournament. So each time that OU starts to nope. hit that nerve, we're gonna we're gonna text each other and say Namaste. All right, um, against the spread, I did a bad job. I did not go back and actually tally up <laughs> what our standings are. It's fine. I'm winning by a lot. It's fine. No, you're not. <laughs> Damn. Our last tally, so we picked three games since this, but the last tally I had, I was 13 and 14. Mm -hmm. You were 9, 16, and 2, which, why am I even talking about this in this sense? Because we had our bowl mania that nobody joined. Thank right. you very much, everybody. That means we were the top two. Yes, we were. Um, I went 20 and 23 against the spread in the bowl season. Pretty good. That is the top 70.4% among all ESPN participants. It's I'll take good. it. And uh, Brad, you went 17 and 26. Can I tell you what drives me crazy about that? Sure. Um, I checked it out. The like the New Year's bowls mm -hmm. and on really just destroyed me because yeah. I checked right around you know Christmas time and I was like at fourteen and fifteen or fifteen and fifteen and I was like okay we've got some momentum here and then I just completely nose nose dived into the the shitter so uh thank you to all the new year's eve bowls and everything for completely ruining that but yeah congratulations yeah yeah you, you i'm scrolling um washington you got right plus three and a half in the alamo bowl you can see the exact moment where it all went back and then the duke's mayo bowl you started losing yes and you kept losing all 
the way until we got to the college football playoff semifinal in the Fiesta Bowl. You got TCU right. I did. But then you got Georgia at minus six and a half against Ohio State wrong. You got Mississippi State right against Illinois in the Rely Quest Bowl. He had to after the leash. Yeah. After, uh, yeah, Coach Leach passed away. And then after that, you didn't get one right. No, I didn't. Not a single and one. I <laughs> Which is four games, but still. It's going to sound ridiculous, but I really think that um, I learned a lot this year with the Bowl Mania Challenge, uh, picking against the spread in this Bowl Mania Challenge. And I think next year, I think it's, I think we're going to do a lot better job because there's so many. I, I just feel like there's so many different factors that go into each one of these bowl games. Oh yeah, and you kind of have to like assess it like the day before each bowl game, honestly, because so much can change. I mean, opt outs of the bowl games. You know, you had like the Mike Leach situation happen. Um, you have kind of all these different things, and then you got to factor in which teams really want to be in this bowl game and play and which team is, you know, just kind of there. Um, like, you know, uh, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state. Yeah. Like what team is kind of phoned in for the year and don't, doesn't really care about getting the bowl victory. So there's a lot that goes into it and I think I'll be better prepared for it next year, but definite, definite nosedive at the end of this year. But I think it's only fair that I do get credit for that future prediction from TCU. You did? From before the Big 12 championship. I also wondered how long it was going to take you to bring that up. and then I was trying to be modest, but... You made it further than I expected. TCU versus Michigan, I said it was going to be a ridiculous spread, and I said it was going to be like something between 7 and 10. It ended up being like 9.5 at one point. Uh, kind That's of what it locked in bit. at, 9.5. Yeah. yeah, and so... Uh, I got it before wrong. the Big 12 championship, I said, lock me in against TCU versus Michigan and uh, give me the points with the Horn Frogs. So uh, that that felt good. And then I kind of doubled down on them and they made me regret it. So everything yeah. kind of yeah. fixes itself in the end. Yep. Yes, sir. <sighs> All right. Well. So we move on to the against the spread. I'll figure out the standings so that when we come back next week, uh, we'll sure. have that we'll have that nailed down on where. And we I'm are just exactly. gonna go ahead and pick every game this weekend because we've been off for so much. Okay, but you have to choose three that are you're like for sure against the spread. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. You want me to jump out there first? You want me to lead it off? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with the 49ers minus 10. Versus the Seattle Seahawks, uh, we talked about it earlier. I just feel like the Niners rolling in on a 10-game win streak. Uh, Seattle just kind of sliding in uh, thanks to the Detroit Lions beating the Packers this past weekend. Um, I I just I like what uh, Kyle Shanahan does. They've got a defense that is impressive for the Niners as well. Um, truly dynamic with Christian McCaffrey. Um, a lot of success since he became the starter there after that trade. So I like the Niners minus 10 versus Seattle. Another big 
spread contest. I'm going to take the Bills minus nine and a half over the Miami Dolphins for a lot of the reasons that we talked about. I just I feel like uh, after the Demar Hamlin incident, um, the, the the return to health so far, the being able to leave the hospital, um, head back to Western New York. I just feel like there's going to be a whole lot of momentum. This game is going to take place in Orchard Park, up in Western New York. Dolphins heading up there. Dolphins haven't had a whole lot of success in cold weather. I mean, heck, they had to have heaters when they were playing in L.A. That's Los Angeles, not Louisiana, Los Angeles. Um I'm going to take the Bills, minus 9.5 versus the Dolphins because that Buffalo team is impressive. Uh, let's finish it out. I'm going to take the Giants, plus 3 at the Vikings. This one I don't feel as confident about, but uh, Daniel Jones has been playing better with Brian Dayball. Uh, I think enough to where they're going to hang on to him. Uh, probably a, a more team-friendly where they can get out of it type of contract but uh, in two two years or so if need be. But uh, what he has done so far this season without really a, a solid wide receiver, uh, Kenny Galladay might as well not even be on the roster. Um, heck, he wasn't at, one po- at a couple points throughout the season. Did not get to suit up and, and has really not been active in any way. Sterling Shepard can't stay healthy, again injured this season. Um, you've just continued to see, I mean, they're back to Darius Slayton, and he wasn't even considered an option to start this season. Uh, Giants have been impressive. I like what they're doing. Saquon Barkley has been able to get things done, and I'm terrified of Kirk Cousins in a primetime type contest. When national, when he's on a national TV broadcast, it just doesn't seem to work out for him. Um, so, I'm going to go with the Giants plus three at Minnesota. Okay. Um, I'm going to go through my entire pick set, and then I will highlight which three I'm locking in for my selections. Um, Starting off with the 49ers versus the Seahawks, give me San Francisco minus 10. As you mentioned before, uh, all the factors that are going into this, the, the 49ers are absolutely rolling. Seahawks are stumbling. Uh, Purdy has really came in and embraced that role uh, in the 49ers offense. Um, I just don't see this being close at all. Uh, give me 49ers minus 10. Moving on, uh, I would like the Chargers minus one at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I love this game. I think it could be very fun. Um I will say that the Chargers with Mike Evans, I'm sorry, with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are a completely different animal. Uh, You pair that along with Austin Eckler doing Austin Eckler things and Herbert doing Herbert things. Um, I think that their talent will kind of overwhelm Jacksonville a little bit. I think it'll be a close game, uh, but give me Chargers minus one. Moving on to Buffalo, I think we're on the same page here. I think everybody's on the same page here. Give me Buffalo, minus 9.5. Um, I just don't see much hope for Miami here, so won't even get too far into it. Um, Giants, plus 3 versus at the Vikings. Um, I'm with you. I think you, you have to take Kirk Cousins at what he is, and what he has shown us is that he is not the guy when the spotlight is on. Um, 
Now, me taking the Giants plus three doesn't mean that I still don't think the Vikings, you know, just can't win because I think they absolutely can win. But if you're going to give me the points with the Giants in this situation, I think I have to take them. Um, it's just it's just a matter of kind of, you know, making the smart decision here. So I'll take the Giants plus three. Um, Bengals minus seven and a half versus the Ravens. Um, all over this one, um, the Bengals look really, really good. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, defending AFC champions really rounding in the, into form. And then the other side, Lamar has been injured, hasn't played. Don't know if he's going to play this weekend. Even if he does, it, I don't think it'll make much of a difference. Give me the Bengals minus seven and a half. And then I am taking the Bucks plus two and a half um, versus the Dallas Cowboys. It really is a stupid game, and the Cowboys should absolutely win this game, but they're the Cowboys, and Tom Brady's on the other side, and the Bucks are playing at home on natural grass, and we all know that the Cowboys on natural grass have not been good this year. Um, so I am forced to go against my better judgment here and take the Bucks plus two and a half. Now... Uh, for the interest of this competition, I feel like I have to pick the opposite games that you did in order to make up any ground. So, <laughs> give me my official three selections for the competition. I will take the Chargers minus one at Jacksonville. I will take the Bengals in my lock of the week minus seven and a half versus the Ravens. Um... And then, of course, hey, I'll, I'll ride or die with Tom Brady. Give me Tom Brady and the Bucks plus two and a half versus the Dallas Cowboys. All right. Namaste. 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 <laughs> uh, there you go again, hedging bets. See, I'm already learning. Even though you, don't, you claim to not be a Cowboys fan anymore. <laughs> I could not be further Brad, from a Cowboys fan. Brad. It's okay. Nope. Brad, Brad, it's okay. That's the most insulting thing you say to me, and you know it. Um, so, some uh, breaking news in the world of wrestling. Oh, God. Why would you do this to me? Did you see this two hours ago? Yeah, I did. This is, this is going to have to be a whole episode on Stephen Stephen Muehlhausen of DAZN Wrestling and DAZN MMA. He's the head of social media for pro wrestling and video recorder for DAZN Wrestling and DAZN MMA. Um, he tweeted two hours ago, so this would be Tuesday the 10th at about 9.25 Central Time. Sources are telling him that WWE has been sold to Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. The company will go back to being private it is unknown if Vince McMahon will return to head of creative, but it is expected by some people. Absolute nightmare. And I, I truly mean this could be a whole episode by itself because I could go off for 30 minutes. But We may, we may just let you do a solo show just okay. rambling let's, about let's it do that at some other point. Let's let this become Later this official, week. official, and get all the news before making this. So are you anti this? 100%. Saudi Arabia portion of it, or Correct, yeah. the Vince McMahon potentially coming back as 
head of creative. Yes. Yes. Both, to all the above. All the above? Okay. Gotcha. I hate Vince McMahon. Yes. I, I hate him with all of my heart. And I think everybody at this point hates him. And it's really sad. Uh, I won't go too deep into it. It's really sad because he ended up retiring last year uh, amid sexual, you know, sexual assault allegations. And so for about, I don't know, six months or so, we kind of had harmony where everything felt right. Triple H was running the show creatively. Uh, Vince wasn't in there to just screw everything up like he always does. And we kind of got a glimpse of to what the company could be and what the storylines could be and the quality of the product that they put out week in and week out. And, uh, it's almost cruel. It was almost like a fever dream. Um, cause now of course Vince McMahon comes back and, uh, I'm sure he, the thought behind this, I'm afraid is they sell to the Saudi company. Um, they become private again and then Vince takes over creative again and he gets to run it however he wants to. Um, he has the, the funding for it. He doesn't have to answer to stockholders anymore. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. Uh, he just he just wants to play God at this point, and it drives me crazy. And I think he's selfish, and I think he is ruining everything that he's built in this industry. And um, it's it's I gotta see how it plays out uh, before I get too far in the weeds, of course. But uh, I really really hope that you know something happens here. Um, the only good thing I can say, if they did go, I mean, not that I would watch it, but. Uh, if they did go private in the right way, um, they would kind of have more control over the content that they're putting out. Maybe go back to that TV 14 rating that the Attitude Era have, um, kind of a, a bit more edgier. Um, so that's that's one aspect to look at. And then another top aspect uh, that we really got to pay attention to, and we'll touch on this if we do an episode on it, but... Um, the talent, uh, how they're going to react to this. Um, guys like Sami Zayn, who is a major, major character right now in a main storyline uh, with Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion. He's going to be headlining WrestleMania, all this stuff. Uh, he's got this this faction with him, the Bloodline, and Sami Zayn is a part of that. And Sami Zayn has been a big advocate of, uh, you know, coming out against this whole thing that they have, this agreement that they have with the Saudis about doing shows uh, over there. Um, Sammy has voiced his opinions. He has not performed at any of these shows. He's not even traveled. He's very anti against all of that. And uh, with someone who is in such a vital role in WrestleMania season um, being built up, um, you got to think that Zane would probably just walk away immediately if this was a done deal. So got to keep an eye on that and, you know, the other talent along with him who kind of feel the same way. Uh, you look at the females in the locker room. I mean, it could be a whole, whole ordeal. And we really got to keep an eye on this because it could blow up. Yep. Just saw that come across. So figured I'd throw that out there. Get your thoughts. Can't Nama stay here because that's just freaking crazy. Uh, I really compare uh, Vince McMahon to Jerry Jones in a lot of sense. Um, that's kind of why I threw it in there after you talked about it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. appreciate that. No problem. Yeah. But, I mean, no they're, problem how similar are they, you know? It's just. Oh, they are. It's they're, very similar. They want to play God. They think that they know everything. They think that they can do everything. Yep. Um, they're way past the point of needing to work at this point. Uh, they're just doing it for their own selfish reasons. They're old. They're out of touch. Uh, they kind of really. um 
slow down the 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 evolution of their own you know their own creation so it, it's just a shame so we'll keep an eye out This this could be a very very big story though. I, I think we oh it could it will dive deeper into this for sure. All right, Brad. That's all for this week. Uh, reminder: you can find us on Twitter at Game On Guys, Facebook Game On Pod, TikTok Game On Pod as well. You can email us at emailgameon at gmail.com. and as always, visit our website. That's where you can find links to. Listen on your favorite social media or on your favorite podcast platform, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere and everywhere. We are there. That is GameOnPod.com. For Brad Bollinger, I am Steve Braun, and this has been Game On.